we started four weeks ago with an evaluation of sorts, a test of sorts, of, of looking at our heart and its healthiness. We, we rated our, our hearts on, our own, on emotions and on moments, on the ability to have fun, on how we view people and whispers and, and how we hear from the Lord. The second week, we, we looked at developing a heart for God, and we looked at David, a, a man after God's own heart. Far from perfect, far from perfect. A man who sinned boldly <laughs> and repented boldly. And we looked at these things that can often destroy our, our heart for God and of success and selfishness and slothfulness and sin and stress. And then we looked at these things that, that, that work through the Holy Spirit in our lives as, as antidotes for those things of humility, of being mindful of the shepherd, of being available for service, of repenting, and of trust. And then last week, we, we looked at three things that we said are, are a matter of the heart. Our very salvation, our sanctification, and our serving. Tonight, or today, excuse me, we, we come to the fourth week. Sermon that we're calling Heartthrob. Hear God's word found in the Gospel of Luke chapter 14, verses 15 through 24. Reading from the NIV, a familiar text, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 14, verses 15 through 24. The parable of the great banquet. Beginning with verse 15. When one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, Blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. And Jesus replied, A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. And the southern NIV, Y'all come. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I've just bought a field. I, I must go and see it. Please excuse me. And another said, I, I, I've just bought five yoke of oxen, and, and I'm on my way to, to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, hey, I just got married, so I, I, I can't come. The servant came back and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and, and ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and the alleys and of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you have ordered has been done, but there is still room. Then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and the country lanes and compel them to come. Compel them to come in so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. Strong language, God's holy word to us. Let me pray. Lord, may the meditation of our hearts and the words of my mouth be wholly pleasing and acceptable in, in your sight. Lord, you are our strength and our redeemer. Amen. 
if, if you hear nothing else, and, and if you've heard nothing else these last weeks, I, I really want to emphasize, and, and, I, and I really want to absorb this simple truth today. The heart of God throbs for human hearts. It's a word that that, that younger people don't understand, right? We don't, we don't understand that expression, younger, the heart throb. Some of you older folks know what that expression means. You, maybe you had a poster of, on your middle school wall of whomever the high school or teenage heart throb might have been. But if you hear nothing else, I want you to hear loudly and clearly that the heart of God throbs for us. It's amazing. There, there's nothing about us that matters so much to God as the condition of our hearts. There, there is nothing to God which, which is more committed than the healing of our heart from all of its hurts and from all the things that hinders us to be in right relationship with Him. But, but there's a second very important truth, and, and, and it's this. God saves hearts that are willing to be found, that are willing to be saved. If the garrison man had not been willing to throw himself at the feet of Jesus, if, if the Samaritan woman had not been willing to stay with Jesus at the well, if the younger son had not been willing to turn his heart toward home, if, if the elder brother remained unwilling to accept his father's invitation to come into the house, We don't know what would happen, do we, in terms of restoration of their hearts. In the same way, unless you and I are, are, are willing to get close enough to God to let him transfuse our hearts with the lifeblood of his heart, then healing cannot happen. You see, God invites our heart to a banquet. That's why we want to look today at, at, at this, this teaching of Jesus on, on the subject in chapter 14 of, of Luke. Jesus tells this story of a certain man who, who was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. Now, it helps to understand that throughout the, the New Testament, throughout the Scripture, the image of the great banquet is, is a metaphor that's used repeatedly for the place where God addresses our deepest need. Okay? So the great banquet is the place where God addresses our deepest need. And we see that throughout, throughout Scripture. Whether it's the Last Supper described in the Gospels or, or the Marriage Supper of the Lamb described in the book of Revelation. These images of, of great banquets show us that God's heart and God's throbbing heart desire is to accomplish many, but for argument's sake, we'll say three vital transformations in our own heart. First of all, the great banquet symbolizes God's desire to bring us into an intimate relationship with him. You see, a holy God is not content with being someone we've simply heard about or someone we've talked about or someone we've considered from a distance. He wants to be intimate 
He wants to be the intimate presence who sits with us at the table of life. Sharing the infinitely good gift of himself with us. It's, it's not enough to have heard about God, to have, to have seen God, yes, in, in maybe a, a grandparent or in a parent. And, and no, it's, it is personal. It's never private, but it is personal. A personal invitation to have a heart transfusion with the holy God. And the great banquet is the place where the heart of God is found. And it's also found to be our true home. Heart longs for home, doesn't it? This weekend I was fortunate enough to be able to travel with Lee's McRae basketball teams to Chuan University. If you don't know where Chuan is, take comfort. Nobody does. <laughs> you go like, there's like international time zones that you have to cross to get there. <laughs> and last night as we were on I-40 getting closer and 421 getting closer and 105 getting closer, there was a collective running for the barn because heart longs for home. The great banquet is the place where the heart of God is found. And our heart longs for it. Secondly, the great banquet symbolizes God's desire to fill us with his life-renewing power. God longs to be the living water, the, the very bread of life from which we derive supernatural strength for living. He, he wants to be the, the eternal vine from which we draw the power needed to, to branch out, to do that abiding and bearing that we talked about not long ago. To bear all the fruit of the Spirit, His heart. The heart of God throbs to have us sit and to sup so deeply and daily of His truth and grace that we become in, in, invincible. Invincible before any of temptations and trials and things that assault us. Because we're not living for this world. We're living for the kingdom. He, he wants to give us the very power of his heart so that we're able to, to rise above the gravity of all that tries to drag us down. At the banquet. And finally, the, the great banquet symbolizes God's desire to, to, re, to reorient our hearts to the life of his kingdom. You see, I, I, I think that I, we, we, I settle for far too less. I settle for cheap imitations when I could have the real thing. You see, we were, we were made for an infinitely more beautiful life than what the world sells us. It's why they're selling it. Have you ever noticed that? The more someone is trying to sell you something, probably the less valid it is. Because quality doesn't have to sell. Does it? And truth doesn't have to spin anything 
God's not in the spin business. We were made for infinitely more beautiful life than what the world sells us. We were made to be wise stewards of the world's resources because we belong to the king. We were made to to shape this planet, this place where we live with with rest and with justice, tempered with mercy, with, with freedom and communal responsibility because that's how the king lives and we're invited into that. We were made to build families and and businesses and communities and societies that show compassion and forgiveness to one another because that's what the kingdom is about not this thing we see out there played out before us we're made for that our hearts long for that we know it to be true people that don't believe know it to be true because we were designed that way with a heart for God but too often we, we, we people we, we, we human beings we, we contend ourselves in, with, with building chicken coops on foundations made for skyscrapers we settle and yet we have to never forget that we were created to build the city of God, a kingdom that reflects an aspect of the very heart of God. So in summary, the the great banquet is this metaphor, this, this picture for that engagement with God that enables our hearts and all that flows from them to be, to find its full potential. Jesus is telling us this story to, to show us his heart. The great banquet is the life that disciples of Jesus enter into now and and will experience this eternal abundance when Jesus returns to make everything new. It's a sign of the ultimate relationship, of, of the ultimate source of power and kingdom for which our hearts are made. So do we understand that our heart has been invited to come to the banquet, to come to that place? So then listen as as Jesus continues the parable. At the time of the banquet, the man sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, come, y'all come, for everything's now ready. So let's just hit pause for a moment and let's, let's take in what's going on in the story so far. God the Father is is the man in in the story, and he prepares this great banquet at which the ultimate relationship, ultimate power, kingdom is going to be given to any heart that comes to him. But he he doesn't just invite the A-list folks. He he invites many guests, the scriptures tell us. That's good. I don't think I'll be on any A-list. He wants this banquet to be huge, a blessing to everyone. He wants it to be full. And so he sends Jesus, who who is the servant in this story, to go and to tell all the invitees that that the banquet is ready. All we have to do, all the invitees have to do is come. It's it's even better than a covered dish. You don't even have to make a covered dish. Just come. Come as you are. So what do we do with the invitation? What to do with this invitation? Well, we know what happens 
right? We, we know what happens. Everybody lays down what they're doing. They, they text, they Twitter, they, they, they get on the phone with the neighbors, you know, hashtag see you at the banquet. It's, it's, it's trending, it's growing in popularity. I mean, who would want to miss the chance to heal the heart from which flows the wellsprings of life? But that's not what happens, is it? On the contrary. Everyone's, everyone's response to the invitation is quite different. Jesus reissues the call to the banquet of grace that had long been given by God to his people, Israel. But, the scripture says, they all alike began to make excuses. So how do we explain this? Why, why would anyone ever turn down an invitation like this? For several reasons. The first, I, I just bought a field and I must go see it. Please excuse me. In other words, uh, Jesus, I'm, I'm building my own kingdom, so I cannot come to the king's banquet. Another said, hey, I've just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on, I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. In simplest terms, I've got another power to push and pull my life. And it's impressive. I have never driven a yoke of five oxen. I would guess not many of you have either, but that would be a pretty powerful and cool thing. That's a big power to pull and push my life. No thank you, Jesus. I know you're talking about power, but I got something else. It's pretty big. It's pretty cool. No thanks. Still another said, hey, I just got married, so I can't come. In other words, I've got a more immediately gratifying relationship than the one the master offers. I can't make it today. But here's what's interesting, and, and I never caught this before. I didn't catch this until the other day. What's important and what I noted is, is that no one's rude about it. In each case, the, the response is, is politely tendered, right? The invitees say, please and excuse me. You, you almost get the sense that there's a part of them that's, that's sort of sorry that they can't make it, that they can't go. You get the feeling that maybe under different circumstances, each of them that would, would like, each of them would like to take the Lord up on his offer. They can see something of value going on, but, it, but it's not enough to, to fully move them. They're just not ready to go all in. And I think, friends, that that is the danger that we all find ourselves in. When you're driving down the road, I've used this example before, and there's this major sinkhole on Highway 105. You don't drive into it, into the abyss. You stop. It's the potholes in life that get our car out of balance, that damage the rim. The ones we don't quite see, it's a, sledy, it's a, it's a, it's a steady, slow decline. And, and it's interesting to me that the response is very, it's, it, it's very polite. They're using their southernese great here. 
They're just not all in. And, and why would they be? Why would we be all in when we have other kingdoms, other power sources, and other relationships to supply our hearts? The servant came back and reported this to his master. And then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town, bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, the lame. In other words, if these folks are too self-sufficient to accept my invitation, let's find people brokenhearted enough to the gifts I have to give. I think one of the first steps to, to living into the life that Jesus has for us, to this heart transplant, to this heart transfusion, is a willingness to admit that my heart's broken. Good enough just isn't good enough, as the ad says. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done, but still there's room. We got more room. The message is, is that the master has more grace to give than people who want it. That's good news. So then the master told a servant, go out to the roads, the country lanes, all parts of Avery County, where the buses don't go, and make them come in so that my house is full. And the master concludes by saying in a tone that, that I, I think I've made the mistake maybe of reading um, sort of of anger. But I don't know that it's anger. I think it's maybe heart-rending sadness. I, I think it's God's heart breaking for ours. I'll tell you. Not one of those who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. So response. If, there were, if ever there were a parable that speaks to the condition of many of us today, many of us in the West, many of us in, in America, I think it's this one. Study after study confirms that at least in terms of faith professions, we Americans like the idea of God. We like the idea that there is a spiritual relationship possible with him, a spiritual power available to us, a spiritual kingdom that informs in some way the government of human affairs. That we, we genuinely like the idea that God has invited us to come and, and dine with him at this big table. We believe that. Most people believe that at some level. But I, I hear this. I hear from people in the community or people visiting our, our church or, or often from people who've, who've maybe even been around for a long time. It's wonderful all that, what your church does and offers. It's awesome. You guys got a lot going on over there. Man, it's like a traffic jam. Ain't been around. 
Or, hey, you guys really put on quite a banquet. I see, I, I see that, or, or, or at least I've heard that. I've heard about this spread, this church at the open buffet. And sometimes when I'm really bold, I'll, I'll, I'll say those five fatal words. Would you like to come? Would you like to come and sit at the table? We, we like to dig in over there, literally and figuratively. Would you like to bring your kids? Would you like to come and, and start off your week worshiping a holy God with, with brothers and sisters, all of us broken, all of us in need of a heart transplant? Would you like to come on some trips, some outings? Would you, would you like to come and volunteer some time with our ministries, our children's ministry, our youth ministry, our prison ministry? There's a seat. It's got your name on it. It's a place where, where God can meet you with people who who want to meet you, where God can transfuse you, renew your heart. This sort of invitation we extend and, and that I hope you're extending to others all the time. It's hard, isn't it? Sometimes my experience, the answer that comes back is incredibly polite. It's very polite. I've yet to have anyone spit in my face, curse me, throw anything, challenge me physically for an altercation. It's incredibly polite. Wow, let me think about that. You know, I'd like to do that one of these days. That sounds really awesome. Man, I'd sure come, but I already got this other thing going on that time. The problem is not that we don't have a heart to enter into the banquet of God. The, 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 the problem is that we're only half-hearted about it. Arthur Wilbur Lees puts it this way. I, I would like to buy $3 worth of God, please. Not enough to explode my soul, disturb my sleep, but just enough to equal a cup of warm milk or a little snooze in the sunshine. I don't want enough of him to make me love a person that I would rather not love. I don't want, I don't want enough to make me go share Christmas trees with the migrant worker. He says, pick beets. I changed his quote. I want ecstasy, not transformation. I, I want the warmth of a womb, not a new birth. I want a pound of the eternal in a paper sack. I would like to buy just $3 worth of God, please. I think we settle for far too less, is the point. But no matter how politely or reasoning, our reasoning is stated, it, th this is the truth. We're missing the great banquet, some of us. 
at times all of us. Some of us run the risk of getting to the end of, of, of life's day believing that we've, we've tried this life with Jesus. When, when actually we've only gotten a whiff of the relationship of the power and the kingdom for which we were created and born. Because you see, the heart of God throbs to have us taste and see how good he is to those who take refuge in him. Psalm 34, 8. His heart is, is what our heart needs. It's him. It's why today I feel like I would be remiss. And I feel like our time would be perhaps incomplete if we didn't once again issue the greatest invitation that you'll ever get. And that's just an invitation to come. Everything's ready, y'all. You don't need to bring anything. You don't need to do anything. You don't need to clean anything up. You don't, try to, you don't need to try to look better, act better, be better. Just come. Take that further step toward a seat at his table. He's got a nameplate there for you. It's a great banquet. If you seek the Lord your God, you will find him. If you look for him with all your heart. Deuteronomy 4.29. As we sing, come as you are again. I'm going to stand down here. And if you want to come for the very first time, if this is something you've never done, you've never given what you know of your heart to what you know and trust of God's heart, would you do that today? Maybe, maybe you've done that and, and, and you know that, hey, we're all there. The half-heartedness comes in, that $3 value, wanting $3 of God instead of wanting all of God. It would, you can pray to, to God where you are. You don't have to come forward. But if you want to come forward and, and have, you know, I'll pray with you. I'm happy to do that. I just encourage you to use this time just to, as we conclude sort of these weeks of looking at our heart, at the condition of our heart. I hope you hear, if you haven't heard anything else, I hope you've heard that God loves you. That his heart breaks for you. And that we are the heartthrob for God. 